It's uh, time for us to get going. So as soon as we settle down, we'll get going, and I think we've settled down. Uh, good morning. Welcome to SACPA. My name is Dwayne Pendergast, and I'm your moderator today. I'll start with a little housekeeping, and please note that the microphones are now on and we are being recorded. There's a basket on your table to collect your $10 payment for lunch. Uh, please have someone check uh, the amount there and someone will come and pick it up. I note that SACPA is a volunteer nonprofit association, and as such, we thank the University of Lethbridge and the Lethbridge Herald for their continuing support. And for the sake of new participants, I note that we start with a 25 to 30 minute talk. Then we'll stop and have lunch, and we will resume with the question and answer part of the session at around 1 o'clock. Our speaker today is the Honorable Rick Casson. He should need little introduction, as he has been our Member of Parliament for 12 years now. In addition to being our representative in Ottawa, He's leading a special joint committee on defense with the United States on Canada's behalf, and he's chair of the special committee on the Canadian mission in Afghanistan. I know many here have expressed uh, passionate and varying opinions on our role in Afghanistan over the years. And I think it would be hard to find a speaker more closely associated with Canada's contribution than Mr. Casson. Please help me welcome him to speak to Canada's involvement in Afghanistan. What's the plan? Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's great to be here. I, I can't remember the last time. It was probably during a campaign sometime when we had an all-candidates forum, I imagine, uh, when we were here last. When I, was, when I worked at the university, we had an association, of course, with the Southern Alberta Council of Public Affairs. And, and I remember as a, running the printing plant, we used to print, uh, I don't know how many, tens of thousands of envelopes every year for you to send out your, your information. And I guess that's all changed now. I don't know if they still print envelopes for you because it's all done through the uh, Internet. But ladies and gentlemen, I, I am here to talk about uh, Afghanistan. Uh, I'll run a little bit of a PowerPoint as we go, go through this, and, it, and most of it just relates to what, what my comments will be here. And I understand I, I had a 10-minute presentation ready, and then we, we, they got a hold of us and said, well, it should be a little longer than that. So I haven't actually uh, read it and timed it, so we'll see how it all fits in, but... Uh, uh, unplug me if I get going too long. Okay, thank you. And I'd like to uh, just recognize Bridget, uh, Pastor here. Bridget, uh, good, to, good to see you. Contrary to popular belief, there's a conservative, conservative and a liberal that get along. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, first and foremost, uh, Canada is in Afghanistan to protect Canadians by helping to ensure that Afghanistan does not ever again become a lawless state, become a haven for terrorists who might launch attacks on Canada and our allies. To achieve that aim, we help, Afghan, we help Afghans rebuild the country 
as a stable, democratic, and prospering society. We are there with over 60 other countries and international organizations at the request of the democratically elected Afghan government and as part of a UN-mandated NATO-led mission. There are essentially two very difficult challenges in Afghanistan, a counterinsurgency campaign and a rebuilding campaign. First, there is a persistent Taliban insurgency based in Pakistan that has used indiscriminate violence to terrorize the Afghan population in an attempt to overthrow the Afghan government by violence and return Afghanistan to the rigid extremist regime that existed before 2001, a regime that banned women from appearing in public without the accompanying of a male family member, banned girls from attending school, and conducted public executions in a soccer stadium for crimes such as adultery. The second equally difficult challenge is the rebuilding of Afghanistan. After nearly 40 years of war and internal conflict, a decade of occupation by Soviet troops ended in 1989, but was quickly, excuse me, a decade of occupation by Soviet troops ended in 1989, but was quickly followed by another decade of civil war. The U.S.-led invasion of 2001 toppled the Taliban from power and drove both Taliban and al-Qaeda remnants into Pakistan. In the course of all this fighting, Afghanistan has been literally destroyed, physically and psychologically. And from my visits there, ladies and gentlemen, I often re uh, refer to it as a country that has just been beat down to nothing. The 2009 United Nations Human Development Index rates Afghanistan as the second least developed country in the world on Earth. In terms of human poverty, Afghanistan ranks 135th out of 135 of the countries where data is available. Life expectancy at birth is 43 years, but Afghans have only a 43% chance of living to see their 40th birthday. Only 28% of Afghans above the age of 15 can read, and only 12% of Afghans are using improved sources of water, the lowest rating in the world. Perhaps the biggest weakness is a lack of human capacity. It's one thing to talk about establishing national institutions such as a justice system, but when one realizes there are few judges with high school education, the scope of the problem becomes apparent. Policemen are largely illiterate, lawyers untrained, corruption is still a problem amongst government officials, and jails are not run to our accustomed standards here in Canada. Consider, too, that Taliban insurgents may arbitrarily kill any judge they don't like, as other government careers, interest in, uh, interest in law careers tends to wax and wane, depending on the level of security. The overall strategy employed by NATO seeks to create a security space within which re reconstruction and development can proceed. U.S. General Stanley McChrystal, the new commander of the NATO International Security Assistance Force, ISAF, is implementing a military strategy described as clear, hold, and build. Military forces will first clear the Taliban from a contested area and then remain in place, living with Afghans in local villages to help protect them from any attempt by the Taliban to return and to intimidate their population. Once security is established, reconstruction and development efforts are implemented to improve the quality of life of ordinary Afghans in the area. The conceptual aspect of this strategy is not new. In fact, it reflects a traditional proven approach to counterinsurgency campaigns. It aims to physically and psychologically separate the Taliban insurgents from the population. By subsequently improving the quality of life of local Afghans, the insurgents become largely irrelevant to the population. 
Confidence in national and local governments can be restored, and the advantage of a stable, prosperous democracy can be seen by all. This, of course, is called winning, the heart, winning of the hearts and minds of the people. And that, at least, is the theory. Contrary to the impression one might get from the media coverage, Canada's efforts is more than just a military mission. Various elements of the Canadian government operation in Afghanistan operate in what is called a whole-of-government approach, coordinated by the Cabinet Committee on Afghanistan under the chairmanship of our International Trade Minister, Stockwell Day. The committee reports to the Prime Minister on a regular basis and to the Cabinet Committee on Priorities and Planning. The Canadian mission in Afghanistan is run by, Ambas by Ambassador William Crosby. He is assisted in Kandahar by Ben Roswell. Roswell. Now, Ben has the job that has the best acronym of all. He's a representative of Canada in, Canada in Kandahar, or The Rock. The Rock is a senior Canadian civilian in Kandahar and controls all non-military Canadian staff and activity. And when I was over there last time, there was a young lady that had that job, and she subsequently appeared at our committee. And I'll tell you what a quality, wonderful person she was. The Rock works closely with the commander of the Canadian Forces Joint Task Force Afghanistan. This collaboration ensures synchronization of military and civilian governance military civilian governments, development, and security lines of operation. The military and civilian staff are now fully integrated in a way that allied nations envy and are trying to copy. And I saw that firsthand with her meeting with, uh, with our uh, general over there. They worked on almost everything that happened. They worked together on it. When the military was going to plan an operation, they talked to her to see what she felt about the effect on the general area. And when she was trying to do some development, the military, of course, worked with her. I think that's a lesson that we've learned since we've been there. The military mission, of, of which I have more to say in a few minutes, has been commanded by Brigadier General John Vance, but he'll be handing over the, to Brigadier General Dan Menard in November. Canadian support is guided by the Afghanistan Compact, an agreement renewed in 2006 for a five-year period between the international community, including Canada, and the Afghan government, guaranteeing international support to the implementation of the Afghan National Development Strategy, the impact is, the compact has three pillars, security, governance, and development. Canada's objective is to advance six focus priorities that are, that are aligned with the three pillars of the Afghanistan compact and the efforts of the international community. The first four priorities focus on Kandahar province, mainly in the area around Kandahar city. Number one is to maintain a more secure environment and establish law and order by building the capacity of the Afghan National Army and the police and support complementary efforts in the areas of justice and corrections. Second is to provide jobs, education, and essential services, for example, water, and to provide humanitarian assistance to people in need, including refugees, and to enhance the management and security of the Afghanistan-Pakistan border. When we were talking to local um, Counselors over there, one of them was a young woman. We asked them what their, their top three or four priorities were. It was security, it was jobs, and it was education for their children. At the national level, Canada is helping to, number five, is to build Afghan institutions that are central to our Kandahar priorities and support democratic processes such as elections and contribute to Afghan-led political reconciliation efforts aimed at weakening the insurgency and fostering a sustainable peace. Canada is among the world's top donors to Afghanistan, our largest bilateral, bilateral aid recipient by far. 
The Canadian International Development Agency, CETA, funds more than 50 significant projects in Afghanistan, 18 of which are specific to Kandahar province, where our troops are. Excuse me. Included in this list of projects are three signature projects, the first of which is to repair the Dalla Dam. And this is a project I take great pride in for a couple of reasons. One of them, I promoted this project. However, the other one is it's an irrigation project, and we in southern Alberta know what irrigation means to our country. Plus, the PFRA uh, had a lot to do with what's happening there because they did a study, went over there and had a look at the area. So it's on the recommendations of some, uh, some good quality Westerners that this, uh, this uh, proceeded. The Dalla Dam and irrigation system located in the heart of the province of Kandahar is Afghanistan's second largest dam. 80% of Kandahar's population lives along the, this irrigation system. The repair of the dam and its irrigation system will provide a secure irrigation water supply to the majority of the Kandahari population, generate thousands of seasonal jobs, and foster agriculture by, by providing farmers with irrigated land. Between now and 2011, Canada will invest up to $50 million over three years to repair the dam by replacing generators or impairing water valves to improve the control of water flow, fixing gates to control the flow of water from the Argandab River into the canal system, repairs to the dam including desilting, support in establishing the Argandab Sub-Basin Water Management Body, which will take the lead in managing the area's water system in consultation with local stakeholders. And to think that that's in Afghanistan in the middle of that desert, that big beautiful lake. Training farmers, this is really important, in water management and new crop production techniques to get away from poppies. They've told us that they can make more money growing pomegranates and nuts and, and grains, but because of the pressure that's on them from drug lords and others, they uh, continue to grow poppies. But this year the poppy, the poppy crop was far less than last. Funding for this significant project is included in the Government of Canada's investment of up to $210 million over three years to help the Afghan government deliver basic services. The latest government quarterly report, and uh, these are online, but they're also in hard copy. The latest government quarterly report indicated that nearly 200 jobs had been created on this project and that planning is in process and on schedule. I, I talked to Minister Oda. Last week about the dam, I, I talked to her often about it, and she said it's progressing very well. Getting in, in and out of there with the people and the equipment on the roads, of course, is a problem because of the explosive devices. Canada's second signature project features, features the investment of up to $12 million over the three-year three period to help expand, repair, or build 50 schools in key districts of Kandahar province and to build the capacity of the Ministry of Education to deliver quality educational services. The government's quarterly reports say that five schools have been built and a further 28 are under construction. Our third signature project will see the immunization of an estimated 7 million children across Afghanistan, including 350,000 in the province of Kandahar. Canada will invest up to $60 million over, the, over three years in an attempt to eliminate this debilitating disease. This contribution will make Canada the largest international donor in this area. The latest government quarterly report states that 362,000 of the 400,000 children in Kandahar province have been vaccinated. A total of 7.2 million have been vaccinated across Afghanistan. However, 13 new cases of polio were reported in Kandahar province by June of this year, so there's more work to be done. 
In January of 2008, an independent panel led by former Deputy Prime Minister John Manley issued a report on the future at the, at the time of the Canadian mission, on the, on the future of the mission. At the time, the Canadian mission in Afghanistan it had laid out two contingent caveats for Canada's continued presence, both of which have been met. One was more troops on the ground, one was more air capacity, and the helicopters and the UAVs have been delivered. The Manley panel also recommended the government to convene a cabinet committee to coordinate Canadian efforts in Afghanistan and to begin to report more openly to Canadians. The cabinet committee exists today, chaired by Minister Day. It has, it has issued five quarterly reports, the most recent one being released in September, covering events for the period March to June of 2009. And as I said, the reports are available online. The quarterly reports identify a number of benchmarks and progress indicators that gauge levels of progress being achieved or not, as the case may be, identify if and when adjustments to its approach are, re are required, given the complex environment, and report results frankly to Canadians. The latest report is an honest and candid evaluation of the difficulties we face in Afghanistan and acknowledges that security has broken down over the past year. I expect the next report covering the period between June and September of this year will reflect on gains made since the rapid influx of U.S. forces and a change in military strategy to one that focuses more on protecting local population than hunting the insurgents. And now to the military mission. Canada is one of 41 countries participating in the International Security Assistance Force, ISAF, a NATO-led military command that operates throughout Afghanistan under the authority of the UN. I've distributed, we didn't have enough for everybody, but I've tried to distribute, I guess they're out on the table here, what we call the ISAF placemat, and that gives an indication of the maps and the countries and where they are situated in Afghanistan, and it looks a lot like that. And you can see the Canadian flag down in the bottom middle. And that's where we are. Of course, being close to that Pakistan border as we are has created us some problems. Canada's Joint Task Force Afghanistan, JTFA, you've got some of the acronyms that they just bombard you. It's worse than being on the Environment Committee. Com comprises all Canadian force, forces, force assets deployed in Southwest Asia. Its established strength is 2,830 personnel. Joint Task Force Afghanistan is made up of the following uh, principal organizations. In Kabul, the capital, and I, I felt a lot safer at Kandahar Airfield than I did in Kabul, I'll say that. Canadian military, military staff working at ISAF headquarters in downtown Kabul. ISAF headquarters commands five regional commands located across Afghanistan, one of which is regionally, Regional Command South headquartered at Kandahar Airfield, better known as CAF. About 60 Canadian Forces members work at the ISAF headquarters in Kabul. Canadian military staff working with the Combined Security Transition Command of Afghanistan, the good old CSTCA, the U.S.-led multinational staff responsible for assisting the Afghan government with the training and development of the Afghan National Army and the Afghan National Police. And we'll talk more about that. Two very critical uh, approaches that we have, the Afghan National Army, the ANA, and the ANP. At Kandahar Airfield, Canadian military staff contingent at ISAF Regional Command South at the headquarters, the ISAF formation covering the provinces of Kandahar, Helmand, Uruzgan, and Zabul, its command rotates among British, Canadian, and the Netherlands. This multinational headquarters staff includes about 165 Canadians. And this is where the um, memorial is to all our fallen soldiers. And um, the first time I was there, I was really struck by this. And unfortunately, the next time I, I went, it had grown. But it's 
they have it placed outside of our headquarters office. It's a two-story prefab building. But they put it on white, that white rock that you sometimes use in your gardens. And to stand back and look at it, it looks like it's on snow. Joint, fa- Joint Task Force Afghanistan Task Force Kandahar Headquarters. Two headquarters in one, a Canadian headquarters and a NATO operational HQ. Joint Task Force Afghanistan Headquarters links units in theater with Canadian Expeditionary Forces Command Headquarters in Ottawa. It is responsible for logistics and administrative support to Canadian units and personnel in theater. I talked to the young fellow that paid the bills. and He, <laughs> he worked 16 hours a day, seven days a week, and uh, he was a very committed young man. And he, he, just, he was doing his part. He was a soldier. He was working as, a, as an auditor, helping to pay the bills out of uh, our headquarters, and he felt that his efforts were helping the, the cause, as of course they were. Task Force Kandahar HQ conducts the ISAF operational mission in Kandahar province under direction from ISAF Regional Command South. It exercises command and control over military operations in its areas of responsibility. All the military is in there. We've got our, our guys in there, our kit in there, but it's all controlled centrally. We don't send our Canadian boys out because our Canadian commander wants to. It's all part of the overall plan. A Canadian infantry battle group, the main combat element includes three infantry rifle companies, a service support company, one artillery battery, one tank squadron, one armored reconnaissance squadron, one combat engineer squadron, and one medical health services facility. The uh, I-12 Infantry U.S. Army, another combat unit, 1st Battalion of the 12th Infantry Regiment from Fort Carson, Colorado, now under the operational control of the Commander Task Force Kandahar. About 700 soldiers. The 112 Infantry assumes responsibility for Mawand District on June 18, 2009. We have our PRT, our Kandahar Provincial Reconstruction Team. A brave bunch of folks. We'll talk about them later. They're working out of Camp Nathan Smith in Kandahar City. It's, it was a former, it was a former um, uh, fruit canning facility. And there isn't a tree within miles. Because when the Russians are in there, they tore out all the trees, they mined the area, they ripped out all the ditches. What used to be a productive uh, place, they turned into a military camp. The Operational Mentoring and Liaison Team, the OMLET, it's a, that's a great acronym, but these are, the, these are critical. These mentoring and liaison teams are critical to the success of this whole mission. The Joint Task Force Afghanistan Air Wing, and the national support element. The air wing is something that's just fairly new since we got our choppers and some of our UAVs over there. <clears throat> the 330-strong Kandahar Provincial Reconstruction Team, these brave souls, they operate from Camp Nathan Smith in downtown Kandahar City, outside of the wire, out on their own. The KPRT includes personnel from the Department of Foreign Affairs and International Trade, the CETA, the Correctional Services of Canada, and several law enforcement agencies that contribute to the civilian police section led by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. The, the KPRT also hosts representatives of the U.S. Department of State and the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, and a U.S. police mentoring team as well. The military component, con, component of the KPRT includes Force Protection Company, Infantry, the Specialist Engineering Team, and a Civil Military Cooperation Platoon. So here they are out on their own in this hostile territory, and this, this group of military people are there to keep them safe. And, and it's a walled community. There's, a, there's local Afghans coming in and out every day to work, to, uh, to liaise with, to consult, and uh, they're quite a, a brave bunch, the whole, the whole bu- and most of them are volunteers that are there, the, uh, the civilians. They're just there because they, they believe in what they're doing. 
Their operational mentor and liaison team, the Omelette, consists of about 160 soldiers from a wide range of occupations and units across Canada. Most of them are experienced officers and senior non-commissioned members. It was formed in August 2006 to train and mentor the Afghan National Army in Kandahar Province. An omelette to support the Afghan National Police was formed in August 2007 to advise, mentor, and assist district-level leaders of the Afghan National Police. Reinforce professional development efforts and bring the ANP to a level of proficiency at which it can be operate or in which it can operate independently. Yet 60 personnel who come from the military police company and, and the omelette work with ANP checkpoints and patrols in the field. They actually had uh, dummy checkpoints established. They have to teach these folks uh, how to stop cars, how to, um, how to check them. Uh, most of them are illiterate, trying to teach them weaponry and uh, processes uh, without being able to read or write is a, is a huge task. But uh, this is the one area that we need to focus more on because we've fallen behind there. <clears throat> and here's a special unit, the Health Services Support Unit. There's about 200 personnel they provide medics for the maneuvers, maneuver units of the task force in Kandahar. All the medical staff of the Kandahar Airfield Rural One Medical Unit, a clinic offering primary health care services, and most of the medical staff, including the commander of the Rural Three Multi-Medical Unit, the MMU, a fully functional field hospital. This Rural Three hospital is as well equipped as any hospital you walk into anywhere in the world. It's got the latest in MRIs, it's got the latest in, uh, in uh, tools for, for operating. And we saw some uh, we saw an Afghan um, civilian that had stepped on a landmine, and they had been working on him for, for the day b before that, and he was laying there, and they had both of his legs back on. And uh, they bring uh, troops and civilians from all over that country to that Roll 3 hospital that we run, and its reputation is, uh, is by far the best in the country. Over the summer of 2009, the Canadian mission was engaged in all of its normal activity, as normal as normal can be, in addition to a facilitating security for the presidential election. As well, large numbers of American troops arrived and took over responsibility for military operations in a large part of Kandahar province. The Canadian area of responsibility has been reduced by about 60 percent of the about, by about 6 percent to the area around Kandahar City, where over 75 percent of the provincial population resides. And so we've shrunk in our area of responsibility, leaving the outlying areas to uh, to the Americans. Canadian troops are now concentrating on protecting the civilian population from Taliban intimidation. The Afghan National Army are leading many of their own operations against the Taliban. And this is significant. These omelets and this training is working. The Afghan National Army are taking control of most of the operations against the Taliban. Although there is still a need for Canadian omelet support in the Afghan National Army, the ANP continue to be a problem and progress there is not as good as it has been in the Army. So as we meet here today, Canadian Force troops are changing over yet again. This time, the new team is coming principally from Western Canada, from the PPCLI, the Princess Pats, Canadian Light Infantry in the lead. Canadian public servants continue to serve in dangerous areas, too, with our troops at Ford operating bases in local villages on the roads in between, and it is a busy time. I look forward to your questions. Thank you.